Welcome to Legal Nurse Podcast, where you will get tips to expand your legal nurse consulting skills. Every week, you'll hear from experts from within and outside of legal nurse consulting. They will share their knowledge to help you grow. Your show is moderated by Pat Iyer, a legal nurse consultant with 30 years experience. So join our community, sit back, relax, and get ready to learn. Here's Pat. I'm Pat Iyer, and I have with me today Cheryl Gaddy. Welcome to Legal Nurse Podcast. In the show, we're going to open up your eyes to some of the insights of a legal nurse consultant who's been working in this field for 30 years or more. Cheryl Gaddy is New Jersey-based at the moment and is somebody who was involved in helping to found the chapter in the state for the American Association of Legal Nurse Consultants. She and I were just talking about the first meeting, which took place in a little diner somewhere with a nucleus of five people to get the chapter going. And I've known Cheryl for much of those 30 years as we have been working in the same state within the expert witness field. Cheryl has over 30 years of experience in independent practice and comes from a med surge and critical care background. She and her partner, who is Jude Lark, formed their company, Lark and Gaddy, in 1993. And she did expert work for many years. She and I were opposite each other on a few cases over the years where she was on the plaintiff's side, I was on the defense, or vice versa. And I know that she's been deposed. She has testified at trial. Cheryl has run a full-service legal nurse consulting company for many years. I asked her to come on the show to give you some of her insights from the perspective of being an experienced legal nurse consultant. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Pat, and thank you for inviting me, and it's an honor to speak with you. As as you said, we've had a long history of, of being involved in cases together, as well as working on some things together as well. So, and, you know, you're, I respect you and your business and your, and your LNC journey as well. So it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you. I want to take you back 30 years from where we are right now. This is the biggest nut that many legal nurse consultants have to crack. The objective of how do I get my first case? I know that legal nurse consulting involves much of the same skills today as it did 30 years ago, but how you got started might've been very different 30 years ago than it would be today. So give us some insight. You're a clinical nurse and you get a request to get involved in legal nurse consulting. Well, you know, it's how I started out was a little bit different than that because legal nurse consulting was on the radar, but it wasn't going to be certainly the only thing that we pursued. My partner, my partner that I had business with for many years, and I worked together in a critical care unit. And we wanted 
to do something together, start a business. And we weren't quite sure what that would be. Nursing agency and legal nurse consulting 30 years ago was on the radar, but there were very few resources that we had to kind of explore what to do and, and how to do it. And at that time, we went to a one-day course of Vicki Malazzo, who's still around. But she was really, at that time, the only person, as far as we knew, that was giving us some valuable in insight into what it entailed. And so we went to this one-day course, and I said, I think we want to do this. And we happened to have, as many people will have, people in their circle, either professionally or socially, that are attorneys. And, and we had an attorney who did medical malpractice, and he asked us, this is kind of a funny way of, of how we approached it, to work on an expert case together. So we were partners, and we said, okay, let's do it. And those of you who have worked on expert cases, um, it's not a collaborative effort when, when you're doing expert work. So, and that's one of the things that we'll all learn. We make mistakes at the very beginning. We are going to make mistakes and we learn from them and we grow from them. So we started out doing expert work and the business part of it kind of lagged behind. And that's one of the things I think we'll talk about when we're talking to new LNCs and what my, my opinions and my advice would be. Because we, we didn't have a business sense. And certainly we talked to an attorney to develop a, a legal partnership. And that's one of the very things we did first. And an accountant, um, you know, to protect our assets. So that's how we started the business. And and as I said, there are so many more resources today from the American Association of Legal Nurse Consultants. If you're listening to Pat, Pat has many, many resources for the beginner. And so my path was a little bit different and I didn't have the networking that was available today. So, Yes, I can think about the value of having a partner to share ideas with, to get encouragement from, to clarify what you said about your report. Mm -hmm. In case it's not clear, an expert report is written by an individual, but it would be a very unusual circumstance where two people had their signatures on a report. I have seen that occasionally in but not in recent times. And no. that's something that that you may think, well, of course, you know, we, we talked about this together. So it it is certainly a attempting approach, <laughs> but not the one that the legal system recognizes. And no. I'm sure you didn't have to do that more than one time to realize that that was not the approach you would take in the future. That was not the approach. And where we learned many things is from um, the attorneys that we worked with. And it was making mistakes and talking about 
when you're writing reports and when you're producing a work product in a personal injury or a mass tort, what they needed to have in there to process in the legal sense. Certainly, you know, our opinions and our and our information that we are providing is valuable, but they also have to use that information. And that's something that we learned along the way from attorneys that we worked with initially. I can remember my first report, Cheryl, it was equally problematic. I had just come out of graduate school and I included footnotes and references. I had it well-documented. And I remember the defense attorney calling me up and saying, Pat, this is not the way we write reports. I had never seen one. I didn't know what went into it. I just did what I thought sounded like it would be the appropriate approach. And he graciously walked me through what I needed to change. Yeah. So I vividly remember that sort of deer in the headlights look that we refer to in America as, oh my goodness, I just did something wrong and I have no idea what I did wrong, but let me fix it. Let me fix it. And I think that's the attitude, perhaps as nurses, that we have. Something's wrong and let's fix it. And I think that's what we did, we weren't, we didn't kind of shrink from that. Because you can either do two things. You can either shrink from that, say, "Uh oh, you know, this is not for me. If you make a mistake in deposition or in trial, and, you know, you can see your attorney's eyes kind of like roll back or, you know, his body stiffen up and you realize, oh, I've made a mistake. We as nurses, I think, have that attitude of, okay, Let's let's fix it and make sure we don't do it again and do mm-hmm. it right the next time. Mm-hmm. Well, we talked about how you and Jude got started mm-hmm. 30 years ago. <clears throat> now, how would you advise somebody to get started? Today, very differently. We talked about networking. There's such a vast <clears throat> um, availability. Of, of places to network. The American Association of Legal Nurse Consultants is somewhere where I would advise someone to go initially. And at the national level, you can join or you can at least just explore the website. There are things that are available for free for non-members, things you can read. Um, as I said, Pat's Things have lots of webinars that you can look at initially, just kind of get your feet kind of in the water, testing the waters and to see what or how I should approach this. And also chapter membership, I would advise people to do that because that's where you really can get connected with somebody. And I think people are so willing and I am so willing as well to be approached, to get a phone call, to get an email, uh, a text message and say, can I have 10 or 15 minutes of your time? And I've done this on numerous occasions. I just need 10 or 15 minutes of your time and ask the questions that you want to ask. How do you think you want to approach? What are you willing to do in your practice? And I think we'll expand upon that a little bit later on 
as far as what kind of work you are willing to do, as far as expert work, are you willing to subcontract? And that's going to be working with someone. It's certainly a part of learning, mentoring, learning how to write, learning how to speak. Um, and I think that would be one first way. The other thing is that I would advise someone to look at what skills they are lacking in. And one of the things that I did when I first started was I took a portion, I, I invested in myself as far as my communication skills. I did a one day or two day seminar, seminar on writing, on speaking, where we worked on how to write effectively, how to speak to someone when you're in front of a group or you're in front of, of another person to get your points across. The other thing I would advise people to do is offer their services to speak on their area of expertise. If you're a cardiac cath nurse, offer to speak at a chapter meeting or offer to write. And I think those opportunities kind of get you in the doorway of being an, a legal nurse consultant, but also developing their skills as well. And while we're on the subject of skills, there is nothing in nursing school that teaches you how to open and run a business, but there's a lot in nursing school. And I'm curious about your take of what we carry over from being a nurse in working with attorneys. What are the skills that we need to be successful in helping people in a different profession with the medical issues that come up in cases? Before we continue with the show, I'd like to share this special announcement with you. Hi, I'm Pat Iyer, and I am so pleased to be able to introduce you to Annie Goff, who is one of the speakers at our October 26, 27, 28, 2023 LNC Success Online Conference. That's quite a mouthful. <laughs> Annie came to my attention when one of my LNC colleagues told me about her book. Annie, could you hold your book up for a minute there? It's called Injury Illustrated, and it is a fascinating collection of medical illustrations and stories about people that Annie has put together as a medical illustrator. I had the pleasure of meeting Annie in the AALNC conference this year, 2023, and looked at her book on the table and said, oh, I love that book. And I bought a copy of it for one of my attorney clients. Annie's going to be speaking at our conference, and I wanted you to have a chance to hear what she has to say and get a taste of what she's going to present at the conference. Thank you, Pat. It was such a joy meeting you at the AALNC, and I look forward to speaking to everyone in October. Um, I'm going to give you a little taste of what I'm going to be talking about. The title of my presentation is Medical Illustration and how it simplifies your job. So as an LNC, how can pictures help simplify your job? So let's think about what your job is. 
obviously to review a sometimes voluminous medical record um, to summarize it, perhaps to teach a jury, but really one of the most important things of your job is to teach the attorney. And sometimes teaching the attorney is just as hard as teaching anyone else. Um, so I'm going to show you some images of just kind of what I'm going to present. Um, let me share my screen. For example, all right, so if you're going to be testifying um, or teaching your attorney, which you're going to teach your attorney everything first, but if you have the normal anatomy available on screen, you sound like the expert. This is your time to teach what is the normal anatomy. What is the calf? What is the long bone in your leg? You know, what is a femur? Do you need to use the technical terminology or not? And then you can show the injury. Sometimes if you set the stage well enough, when you show the injury, there's not a lot you need to say, but everything that you need to say is here. And now your jury is engaged. Your audience is engaged. Um, also, let's talk about something that's basic to us. So as a medical illustrator, as an LNC, a chest X-ray can be very simple. But teaching a chest X-ray to an attorney may be difficult. So through a series of slides, you can layer on the anatomy and be able to go back and forth and talk about the air and the windpipe, what the lungs are, and where all of that vasculature is coming from the heart and pulmonary vessels. So this is another way where a medical illustration can help you teach your attorney. This is also great with a jury. Another example would be a voluminous medical record. You guys get it. I get it. Thousands of pages of records come from the attorney. It's like, okay, where do we start? So there's also usually sometimes multiple dozens and dozens of radiology studies. So this is where medical illustrations can help you simplify your job. You can orient your radiology scans to an actual body. You can go even cellular if you want to deep in, get down deep. And I'm going to hopefully be able to present this case to you, this entire case about a bladder cancer that spread throughout the body. And for many, many weeks, actually several years, this man went through so much treatment. And it was critical for me to have an LNC help me with the records so that I could show them accurately. And we could walk through his entire treatment until and as the cancer spread. And if you're testifying about this and you have the picture, it can help give you cues. Oh yes, the left kidney, and then it was in the liver, and then it was here, and it can help you prompt everything you've learned from the medical record. So in addition to this, I'll be talking about tips and tricks where you can embed and incorporate really complex details that you're gonna have to speak about on the stand into your illustrations so that you kind of have a prompt or it's a little bit easier to teach. So like, for example, you can use a grid over anatomy to help remember a pathology report or the size of something. 
Um, and also literal sizes and measurements of things. This is a case that is actually active. By the time we talk in October, hopefully I'll be able to talk to you about the ear case, um, which was a pediatric ear, which makes the sizing even more important. Thank you for that taste of what you've been able to do. I feel that the people who are attending the conference and listening to you are going to get caught up in the stories and wanting to know what the issues were and will be fascinated by how you use your skill as a medical illustrator to pull that all together to show the jury words don't convey what images can. And that is your skill, Annie. Yes. If an image, if a picture is worth a thousand words, a, a, the medical chronology, if it can be visualized through a series of slides, that's worth millions of words. And when your audience is engaged, it makes it easier to, to speak and to teach in front of them. Be sure to sign up for this conference coming up October 26, 27, 28, 2023. Use the link right below this video, which is lnc.tips forward slash October 2023 virtual. You'll have a chance to meet Annie and learn even more about how a medical illustrator and a legal nurse consultant can work together to make those pictures worth a thousand words. But in the attorney's world, that might be thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Yes. Yes. And it adds great value to the client. Yes, it certainly does add great value. Mm -hmm. So be, to be sure to come and join us at the conference and we'll see you there. Great. Thank you, Pat. Now let's return to the show. The one most important thing that I think that we bring over and that we can bridge over is our critical thinking skills, using the nursing process to adapt that to solving a problem, to looking, looking at a medical malpractice case, to looking at an injury, because that's what I think is most important in the way we process using our you know, analysis, evaluation, and then altering the care plan, those kind of skills that we've used throughout our nursing career that we learned are invaluable in looking at the problem, problems that the attorney has. And if we do it systematically and in a very formatted way, it's very easy to understand for other people to understand complex nursing or medical issues. So bringing that to the table is priceless. Yes, you're absolutely right. And the writing skills that you mentioned earlier are critical for you to develop if you don't have them already starting into this field. We learn how to chart in a very chopped up way with lots of missing words, which does not work well when you're trying to put together a report for an attorney. And Correct. you've mentioned how you went through 
some refreshers, some learning how to improve your writing skills. That is something that I have seen in many inexperienced legal nurse consultants is difficulty communicating and writing. And that is has to be something that is mastered in order to be effective. It's, it's in part very critical. If I can use very critical, that sounds like an oxymoron. oxymoron yeah. When you are an expert witness, as you and I both were for many years, tell us about your perspective of how to answer the question of somebody who says, do I want to be an expert? What is it like? Should I take on that challenging role? What was your experience in looking back over the years that you testified and analyzed cases? I love that question because I think that was the most important thing that I decided to do. I was willing to put myself out there and knowing that it was going to be scary, I was going to have some degree of failure. There are two sides to a case and learning that if, if, the plaintiff is not successful or the defense is successful, that does not necessarily mean that you failed. But I think in becoming an expert witness, in addition to learning writing skills and speaking skills, you learn to develop your own voice, which I think is critical when you are going to build a business. I was I was knew I was very knowledgeable in critical care and medical surgical nursing. So I thought, okay, I could be of value. Many, many cases are not complex, very finite nursing areas. They're, most nursing cases are broader based. And that's not necessarily all, but for the most part. So I was willing to take that risk. So I would advise someone if they are even thinking about it to go ahead and try. Because number one, you open yourself to a wide variety of potential clients, attorneys, and you open yourself. If you do a good job and you write a good report and you're well-spoken and you're articulate, and you're confident and you present yourself well, it opens a lot of doors. And to other legal nurse consultants who you could subcontract through. So it expands your world in legal nurse consulting. And so I would advise someone to do it. And if you're hesitant, talk to someone have somebody mentor you through it. When I talked about calling someone and say, hey, can I bounce this off to you, off of you? That is really important. And I think it's, I thought it was fun after, you know, there, there's a kind of a, a thrill of it that I think was fun. And the one thing that I took away from it is I always wanted to be the person in the room that knew the most about the case. So I, if you're well-prepared, there is there is a certain degree of confidence you can have in that. And you can certainly answer questions 
incorrectly, you can dig yourself into a hole and, and realize, oh my gosh, I said this. Because lawyers are wordsmiths and they work on this. And if you've listened to, um, you know, Senate hearings, and I, I don't know, listening to Senate hearings on TV now that you can say, oh my gosh, it sounds like a deposition, you know, that, that, you know, you add like the way I can see where he's leading him. But uh, so I think it's a worthwhile opportunity to explore. Well, you pointed out something that is probably not only limited to the American political, political system, but many People who are in government are lawyers. They talk like yeah. lawyers. They think like lawyers. They act yeah. like lawyers. <laughs> and you yeah. hear that. You're right. You're absolutely right. And the people who are not lawyers probably feel a little bit lost at times when they watch their brethren who are yeah. going right into lawyer mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the aspects of being an expert is to focus on the qualifications of the expert to make sure that that person has the range of experience and authority that is necessary in order to evaluate the case. And part of that you demonstrated, you, Cheryl, by getting published. Can you tell us how the value of writing something, whether it's an article, a chapter, a book for publication is so important in the field? As an expert witness or just generally, I'll first I'll speak to being an expert witness. When I started doing expert work, I had already done a number of uh, written works for small publications. But then I realized, okay, if an opportunity comes along, an opportunity came along to be to do be a peer review in a critical care textbook. And I said, this is great because you know it's published, it's a peer reviewed, and it gives you some credibility. Uh, the other thing that I think is really important if you're going to do expert work is doing your certifications in your field. And that's the other thing, because you have to have a certain level of of education. You have to have a certain level of continuing education. I think that gives you credibility as an expert witness as well. Um, And then the other thing is you learn how to edit yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you work for a journal or if you work on a textbook, there's going to be people reviewing your work, editing, and teaching you how to be a better writer, how to be succinct, and how to get your point across more effectively. And that was really invaluable to me because I think it taught me how to speak right, but it also how to ta- taught me how to edit, edit myself, And that I worked on the Journal of Legal Nurse Consulting for a number of years with a very good editor who her lessons were invaluable to me because I read things. I read my my own work in a very, very different way. Yes. I can remember when I first started working with a traditional publisher, lawyers and judges, that the 
state of the publishing world at that time was that they would send pieces of paper back with blue and red pencil marks with a copy editor who was going through my chapters. And it was such a wonderful learning experience to see how a sentence could be phrased differently than the way that I wrote it. And that tightened up my writing by watching how other people gave me feedback. What a great way to find out how to streamline, to condense, to consolidate, to make your writing more coherent than to see somebody who has done that editing for you. It's very invaluable to have someone review your work and look at it with a fresh eye that makes you more succinct in what you say and more effective in giving your opinions and your thoughts. So I took any type of peer review and editing opportunities that I was availed to. I wanted to ask you also, Cheryl, about some of the things that can happen as a business owner. An attorney can come along and say, well, Cheryl, here's something that I need. Is this a service that you provide? Can you give us some insight about sifting through opportunities to expand your services that might never have occurred to you? Yes. For me in particular, we had an opportunity at uh, one or a number of points. And I think this was important that the first opportunity I was very unsure about, it was working on mass torts. And I had done some work as a subcontractor. So I knew the concept of what was involved and I knew the volume of work that was involved, but an opportunity was availed to us to work on it as the primary, the primary legal nurse consultants. And it was at a time where I was still clinically active. I had a fairly young family and I said, yes. And then I said, oh, (laughs) and I said, yes, because I knew it was an opportunity that doesn't come along very often. And I didn't think it through wholly, but I said, yes. And then I sat back and we talked a little bit about being nurses and what am I going to do? Evaluating it and then saying, okay, I've got to fix it and make sure I do it right. And we did it. It was a very, very busy time. I took a lot of the work on myself because I didn't trust that I had the people around me were very good, but I wanted to make sure the work product reflected my standards. And so I think when you look at opportunities, you have to make sure that you're able to keep the level, the standard that you have for your work products, for your business intact, because if you take on too much and then you're just throwing things out to get to meet timelines and and deadlines. So evaluate, but don't be afraid to say yes, uh, because it can lead to big opportunities going forth. And you learn how to manage time, how to manage other people, how to look at people's work products, 
more efficiently. We talked about editing and peer review and that type of thing. So I think when things come along that you're not sure about, kind of take the plunge. That was certainly our experience also in working on a couple of mass tort cases. I likened it to the elephant who came in the front door and took over all the resources of the company. Yeah. The attorneys we had who were working with us at a much higher hourly rate that we were charging them and were our standard customers began to notice that it was taking longer for us to turn around the reports that they were expecting to receive because we were working over here on all of these boxes and boxes and boxes of medical records that completely took over every square inch in our library upstairs in our office condo. I have vivid memories of the truck backing up to the front door. This was before electronic medical records coming to you by email or a secure platform. Mm -hmm. And yes, it did teach you how to evaluate subcontractors, quickly determine whether they were capable of providing you with the appropriate work product, streamline how to organize medical records. And some of those systems carry over to other kinds of cases. So that's a great opportunity to expand your business, but it can completely change the character of your business and put a big stress on your business. Absolutely. The workload and turning things around quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've talked a little bit, and I want to make sure that we cover this in the remaining time of starting the business with a partner. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give somebody who says, I want to form a partnership with somebody else in order to get my business going or expand my business. Right. So I think it's a good, it, for, for us, it was a good way to go to into unknown territory, to uncharted, really. Very few people. Pat certainly was there as a pioneer. We sound like we're in the wild, wild west, but... <laughs> It, but but it certainly was a there was a comfort level. So there's a comfort level in having someone right there to bounce ideas off, to take a part of the workload. I think the most important thing is to know that there has to be reevaluation and yearly six month evaluation of goals, you know, business plans, five-year plan, 10-year plan, because things change. And that is our partnership. I had a lovely, lovely partnership for years, but it's interesting to kind of segued in from the mass torch work was there became, there became different life paths that we both took. And so there was workload issues. And so I think that's really important to kind of look at what you are doing year by year and know that things may change. And 
that it's important to be open and honest and have something written. So it's not some vague, esoteric, well, you know, things aren't just working out. And I think that's a difficult part. So because people's lives change and they need different things and they're not able to contribute as they once were. Yes. Somebody compared a partnership like a marriage without the sex. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then when it breaks up, it is like a divorce. It is like a divorce. And, you know, it's difficult, especially because if you're working with somebody and certainly, you know, there's a friendship level as well there. So you have to work through that part and kind of separate the business from, from the other parts of it. Yes. At this point, if somebody was interested in learning more about you and your services, what would be the best way for them to connect with you? Best way would either be by LinkedIn. I have a presence there. As Pat knows, I've kind of, I'm in the retirement phase of my career life changes and as you know so I'm reevaluating so LinkedIn or my email which is C Gaddy C G A T T I L N C at Gmail. All right. Cheryl, thank you so much for sharing your perspective. I know that our listener or our viewer who's watching this on our YouTube channel knows that you and I could talk all morning, swap stories, share experiences. We had in many ways quite a parallel path as we worked through our LNC business. Mm -hmm. Both of us rooted in New Jersey in a densely populated state with a lot of attorney prospects, which is a blessing for us Mm -hmm. in being able to build our businesses. Right. And has been very rewarding in so many different ways. Yeah. It has been. Thank you. Yes. And for you who's been watching this program, thank you for staying with us and getting the insights from Cheryl. One of the things that she touched on that I wanted to expand on for a few paragraphs of content is the idea of turning to people to get help particularly when you are faced with new experiences through networking, through staying connected to your colleagues. I have a coaching program for legal nurse consultants that's open twice a year. And just last night, the night before Cheryl and I recorded this program, one of my coaching clients was facing her first deposition taking place this week. So we spent a good portion of our meeting giving her advice on what to do from the minute she walked in even the night before to make sure that there were no extra depositions that she hadn't been sent, which may have happened to you, Cheryl, on a few occasions. I know it did for me, little few little last minute surprises. Oh, I thought I sent you that. Yeah. No, <laughs> and now you want me to read this deposition? And the transcript of, yeah, yeah, this Ooh. thing. And put it into my the thoughts and facts that it reveals, put it into my analysis of the case while I'm trying to prepare So we talked about those practical things and she became so much 
more relaxed about what is an anxiety-provoking experience because she knew what to expect. Join us at our next virtual conference, which is going to be in October of 2023. And if you hear this after that date, those recordings will be available. You can get more details about the conference at lnc.tips forward slash October 2023 virtual. And that's when we'll open the doors for the coaching program. Come back next week for a new show, new guest, or if you are binge listing, click on down below and you will find the next show teed up ready for you. See you then. We've just finished a wonderful program with Connie Schaefer, who is an infection preventionist, and her show is coming up next. Connie has experience as a nurse for more than 40 years, more than 20 years in the infectious disease infection control world, and she's a legal nurse consultant who gets involved in reviewing cases with attorneys, some related to infection, some related to broader issues. Connie, what were some of the topics that we covered in your podcast? Well, we talked about the delay uh, in diagnosing infections and what that could mean to the patients. And we talked about sepsis and we talked about our bundle of not only diagnostic, but treatments. We, we talked about mortality rates and maybe some of our system failures. Um, we talked about all the superbugs and what that means to us as we're taking care of them. And then how to look for, um, how to look for the certain things in our legal nursing, uh, in our charts to be able to decipher and analyze an infection case. There's a lot that we discussed related to infection. Yeah. As you listen to this podcast, it will make you appreciate the importance of not having infections and mm -hmm. the consequences of some of these out of control infections, particularly when Connie describes the superbugs which you may know about, that can leave the providers with absolutely no treatment options whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And that's particularly scary. Mm -hmm. Click on down below if you're listening to this and you've got the next show lined up, or if you're watching this the week that it comes out, then come on down for the next show. Connie Schaefer and I will open up your eyes to some of the risks and liability issues associated with infectious disease management. And we also sneak in some discussions about liability and what happens when you boil frogs. Ah. Miss that. <laughs> yes. See you soon. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Check out Pat Iyer's resources for legal nurse consultants on LegalNurseBusiness.com. Pat coaches legal nurse consultants so they make more money, get more clients, and avoid expensive mistakes. Check out her coaching program at LNCAcademy.com. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Join our community to get notified of each new episode 
and to receive the transcript of today's program. Complete the request form on podcast.legalnursebusiness.com. We appreciate you and your interest.